All right, if, how many of you guys got your Bible tonight? Y'all ready to jump in? Y'all ready to hop into God's Word? Y'all know in middle school ministry, we love the Bible. We love the Word of God. And tonight, we're going to jump in a quick text called Mark chapter 8. So it's a verse I just memorized. We're going to look at it. Uh, some of the verses around it, starting in verse 31. Mark 8, 31. It starts off, Jesus is with the disciples, and he says this. It says, He began to teach them that the Son of Man, that's Jesus, must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. And it says, and he said this plainly. Now listen, hey, before we keep going any further, Mark chapter 8, 31, this is what it says. Jesus, who speaks a lot of time in this kind of veiled, parable kind of language, says he goes to a moment where he goes real serious, real clearly. He says to him, he says, listen, to my disciples, I am going to suffer and ultimately I'm going to die. But in three days I will rise again. Now the disciples are hearing this for the first time. It's the first time they've heard him say this. And so Peter, who is one of the disciples, y'all know Peter? Y'all with me? Y'all know about Peter, right? Peter, he says, he grabs Jesus. It says in verse 32, Peter took Jesus aside, almost like by himself, and began to rebuke him. It was like Peter said, Jesus, 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 come here, come here, come here, listen, listen, listen. You can't be saying all that kind of stuff. You're going to scare the other guys. They're going to get nervous. This isn't the most best evangelical way to get people to follow you, Jesus, right? That's what Peter's basically saying to Jesus is, hey, what you're saying, you need to stop saying that. And this is what Jesus says. He looks and sees the other disciples who are probably thinking the same thing that Peter was saying. He says to him, he says, get behind me, Satan. That's pretty harsh, right? Have you ever heard someone say, get behind me, Satan? Have you ever heard that phrase before? It's pretty in your face. But what Jesus is saying here, he's not trying to call Peter Satan. He's saying this. The fact that Jesus is going to suffer, die, and rise again, that is the will of God. That is what is necessary for salvation to come to all who might believe. And so if Peter is saying, don't talk like that, Jesus, he's saying, don't go to the cross, don't die. Don't be resurrected. And so Jesus is saying, no, no, that's the thought of Satan. That's the thought of the world. He says, you need to trade in your worldly thinking for heavenly thinking. Set your mind on the kingdom. And then check it out. This is what happens next. Jesus calling the crowd to him, right? Y'all just did that verse. And calling the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, if anybody's going to come follow Jesus, if anybody's going to chase me down and be a follower of me, if they want to do that, here's the deal. He must deny himself. He must take up his cross and follow me. That's a lot to say in that one verse. I want to break it down for you. I want to give you this. If you're taking notes at all, if you're taking notes with us in your journal, I encourage you, if you want to take notes on Wednesday nights, we love to have people taking notes along with us. The first thing is this, if you want to follow Jesus, number one is this, you must deny yourself. You must deny yourself. Some of you would be asking, what does that mean to deny myself? It, it really is this, it's repositioning my heart. It's repositioning my thoughts, my actions, to where no longer am I 
I'm repositioning my heart to where I'm not saying I'm going to do the things that fit Corey, but I'm going to do things that fit the Lord. I'm saying no to my inward desires, my inward flesh, and saying yes to the Lord. It's saying no to the will of man, but saying yes to the will of God. Does that make sense somewhat? Let me, let me give you a little breakdown here. How many of y'all like to go to the beach? Anyone ever been to the beach before? We love going to the beach. My family goes to the beach a lot, and I love the beach as well. But here's the deal. I hate the sand. Y'all with me? Anybody, anybody out there like the sand? I, I'm not a big fan, all right? I, I, to hate the sand is probably strong. What I mean is I hate the sand anywhere above my ankles. That's what I probably should have said. You know what I mean? Like if it's on my feet, in between my toes, cool beans. But if it's anywhere on my body, I'm like, no, nah, get that stuff off, you know? So I have a nephew. He's real small, real little dude. His name's Mac. And Mac has a different stance on the sand, all right? He loves the sand. When his mom's not looking, he is eating sand. Okay, that's him, right? He's like three years old doing his thing. He loves the sand. And when we go to the beach, when he's got sand all over him, at some point in the day, he's going to put that sand on my shorts or in my backpack or on my towel or in between my flip-flops. And I, in my flesh, in my heart, my immediate reaction is this. Mac, you know, I'm like, oh, get away from me, kiddo. You know, like that's what I want to say. All right, I can only say that most of the time, but in my heart, that's my initial reaction. That's my flesh. But here's the deal: I know that Scripture says love is patient and love is kind, and I ought to love little man Mac, who's three years old. I should not be mean or hateful towards him in any way, even whenever it inconveniences me. I ought to love him well. Some of y'all may have moments where you're like, I get in disagreements with my parents at times, and sometimes maybe your normal response is to talk back. Anybody guilty out there? Yeah, I'm in the same boat. All right, growing up, I was the same way. I would say, Mom, it's Friday night. What do you mean I can't go out with my friends tonight, you know? Or I'd say, oh, you know, my sister said many times, hey, what do you mean this, this outfit's immodest, you know? What do you mean? Or maybe they would say, hey, like, uh, everyone else gets to do fill in the blank. Why can't I do fill in the blank? You know what I mean? Like That's the conversation. And here's the deal. That attitude comes from a selfishness where I think that my ways are better than what my parents think. And that is a wrong, like evil, wicked attitude to have. But it's natural for all of us to be bent to have that attitude at times. But we know Scripture says that we ought to honor our mother and our father. I could go on and talk more about these different scenarios with pride, or maybe it's with lust, or maybe it's with our speech. When the Lord says, if you're going to follow me, you must deny those things that steer you away from the will of God, but you must turn them over to say no to the flesh and say yes to the Spirit. That's what it means to say, I'm going to deny myself. And many people think that denying myself means this. They're like, oh, well, that means I can't have a slice of the pie. You know, I can't, I can't have the fun. But what the Lord is inviting you to is this, to say, say no to the slice of pie that the world is offering, but say yes to what the baker has to offer at the table. That's way better than anything the world can give you. He's like, I, I'm not saying say no to something, so now you're just sad and in gloom over here. He's saying say no to this, because what I've got for you is so much better. Let me, let me show you how. He says, deny yourself. If you're going to follow me, you must deny yourself. He also says this. If you're going to follow me, you've got to take up your cross. Now, that's, 
that's not the most attractive painting of a picture to come follow someone. If I was like, hey, man, you want to come hang out with me this Friday? Bring your cross, you know? Like, that's not like, that's not the normal hangouts, you know what I mean? That's not what you're normally saying. We say, follow me. But Jesus is saying, follow me, you must take up your cross. Well, how does that play out for someone? How does that look? I mean, Jesus was the example, both spiritually and physically, about what it meant to take up your cross. Spiritually, it's a picture of what he did. He was He died, he was buried, and rose again. What does that remind you of? Death, burial, and resurrection. There's a word I'm looking for, huh? Baptism. Booyah, way to go. Yeah, so baptisms. When you see someone get baptized on a Sunday morning, what that means is this. They're showing a picture to all their friends, their family, and their church. Hey, I have died to my old self. My old life has been washed away, and now I have been risen to walk with Jesus. My new life has come. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away and the new has come. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. Does that make sense on the spiritual side of what it means to, to take up your cross? It means to die to your old ways. It means to put to death daily the, the inward desires that are wicked and of the enemy. Or maybe they're, they're not even just maybe wicked. Maybe there's some good desires, but the Lord has something better for you that he wants to give you. It's saying, Lord, I'm going to follow you those spots. Here's the last one. If you want to follow Jesus, it's not just denying yourself. It's not just taking up your cross. Which, taking up your cross has a, more than just a spiritual, it has a physical aspect as well. The people that were hearing this in the crowd Many of them went, went on to suffer many trials. Some of them even died because they followed Jesus. And I'm going to be honest. Middle school students, I don't think you'll have to worry about being persecuted like that now. But I'm going to be honest. Being a Christian isn't cool anymore. Like, it's not the cool thing. Like, it's not like you go into school and like, yeah, I'm a Christian, guys. What's up? Like, that's not like going to earn you brownie points with everyone around you. But I'm going to tell you this. Being a Christian is going to become a little bit more difficult, yes, but I promise you are going to find greater joy, greater rewards in following the Lord than not. I promise. It is seen over and over again, and we're going to show you a story in a minute where someone who is posed with the option, am I going to follow Jesus or not? And his response is going to helpfully lead you to know, what are you going to do with Jesus? You see, I said earlier that following Jesus is not the cool thing. That Yeah, against the world, it's not the cool thing. But I'm telling you from the eyes of a student pastor, the guys in the life of high school ministry or college ministry that I look up to and say, man, these guys are rock stars, are the ones that are walking with the Lord. Those are the ones that are enjoying the Lord well and they're enjoying life well because they are living in the parameters that the Lord has set for them. They're living in the joys that the Lord has set before them. The last one is this. is not just denying yourself, not just taking up your cross, but it's this one. It's following Jesus. A lot of people say I'm a follower. A lot of people say I'm a Christian. A lot of people say, hey, yeah, I follow the Lord. But when you look at their life, there's no evidence of them really following Jesus. Show me where they walk not in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of scoffers. Show me where they delight in the word of God. 
Show me the one who says, no, 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 I abide with Jesus and his word abides in me. Because that's what it means to follow Jesus, is to walk in his ways, to delight in the Lord, and to live according to what his word has in store. Students, who among you will follow the Lord? Not just with their mouth saying, yeah, I'm a follower, but with their life will follow him. How many of you guys will jump into the word of God and read it and see what the Lord wants you to do in their life? How many of you guys are going to really spend time maybe not listening to the music that the world's listening to, but listening to godly music, allowing that to be the, your anthem, that you worship the Lord? I, I realize that's a lot packed into that, but here's the deal. If you continue to read in Mark, you're going to come to Mark chapter 10, and there's a story of a guy who came and found Jesus. He was a super, super wealthy dude. He rolled up to Jesus, and this is what he said. He said, Jesus, what must I He said, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus responds to him. He says, why do you call me good? No one is good except for God alone. Because this guy, you're about to hear him, he's about to say that he thinks he's pretty good. So this is what he says. He says to him, if you want to inherit eternal life, you must keep all of the law. You must not murder. You must not steal. You must not lie. You must not yada, yada, yada. And he goes through all the law right there. And the guy's like, yeah, I've, I'm, I've honored the Lord. I've done that. I've walked with the Lord. Yeah, I'm, I'm a good person. And Jesus is like, no, no, there's none good. No one can redeem his soul by himself. No one can save himself. Everyone is messed up. And so what Jesus says, if you really want eternal life, he says, why don't you leave all your treasures in the world and follow a heavenly treasure Jesus, why don't you leave the things that you delight in in the world and follow me, and I'll give you far greater than you could ever imagine. Jesus says he loves him, and he had compassion on him, so he invited him to follow him. And check it out, the, the rich young ruler says he walked away with his head down. He was sad. Because here's the deal. He treasured his wealth. He treasured his riches. He treasured what the world had to offer over what Jesus wanted to give him. He walked away sad. And this is what happened. That man decided to save his life on earth, but he's going to lose it in eternity. But Jesus was calling him to lose his life on earth so that he could gain it for eternity. But here's what Peter says. He says, Peter says just a couple verses later, he says, Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. He says, I've left my parents. What does he say right here? He says, he says we've left everything and followed you. And then can you go to the next verse? I think it's verse 29 or maybe 30. Yeah, Jesus said, truly I say to you, there is no one who has left their house or their brothers or their sisters or their mother, or their father, or their children, or their lands, for my sake, for Jesus' sake. This is what he says. And for the gospel, who will not receive a hundredfold now and this time, their houses, brothers, sisters, mothers, children, lands, and persecutions, and in the age to come, with the persecutions, and in the age to come, eternal life. There's a lot of words. This is what he's saying. Jesus says this. Peter, I look at you as a disciple of mine, and yes, you have left so many things. You left your fishing boat, you left your net, you left your home, you left your family, you left everything to come and follow Jesus. And he says, but you know what? He says, Peter, it is so worth it. 
Because you're going to gain a hundred times more on this side of eternity, on earth, and on the other side of eternity in heaven. He says the, tre- the treasures and the joys that you're going to gain from following Jesus cannot be matched on this earth. I remember, make sure I'm on time, I remember this. I was in a gym in Alabama. I was sitting in a chair in the middle of singing a song called The Cost by Wren Collective. And this is what it said. It says, I've counted up the cost. I've counted up the cost. I've counted up the cost. And you are worth it. That day I sat in the gym. I wish y'all could like have a bird's eye view, like replay cam of this. Y'all would probably be low-key smiling at me because I was, I was crying in my chair, in the gym. I was crying, and it wasn't because I was sad. It wasn't tears of sadness. They were tears of joy. Because I sat there in the gym floor. Everyone else was singing a song. And I was just praying to the Lord. And the Lord was just saying it so clearly. He said, are you going to really follow me? Are you all in with me? He said, I feel like you're holding back. There's things that you want. You wanted to live out the American dream. You wanted to make a lot of money in your life. You wanted, money was a big deal for me. He said, you, you want to you have the, the big family and all these different things that come with it. Like you, you are, you're on this course that you're going to make yourself. You're going to carve your own way. You're going to do your thing. And the Lord was just speaking to me saying, when are you going to lay that stuff down and just fully surrender and follow Jesus? And I'm telling you, students, that night, those were not tears of sadness. They were tears of joy. Because I traded in my slice of pie on the table for a seat with the baker with all of his treasures he wanted to give. I'm telling you, students, Jesus is inviting you to follow him. And I mean really follow him. Not just like, hey, I go to church once a week. Or not just, hey, like I go to Easter and I pick up my Bible and take it every once in a while. He's saying, I really want you to be all in with me, to follow me. If anyone would come after Jesus, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow Jesus. Students, tonight, some of you may be in the room and say, hey, I want to do that. For the first time, I really want to follow Jesus. If you want to do it, everyone, if you would, just take a moment. Just bow your eyes, bow your, bow your head, close your eyes real quick. Bow your head, close your eyes, nobody looking around. If you want to follow Jesus tonight, this is all I ask you to do. I just want you to pray a prayer, something like this. Lord, I am sorry for where I have sinned and done things wrong. Lord, I am sorry for where I have made mistakes. But God, I believe that you died on the cross, you rose from the dead, and you did all of that because you love me and you saved me. I believe in that, Jesus. I thank you for that. And today, I want to receive you as the Lord and Savior of my life. I want to deny myself. I want to take up my cross. I want to follow you today. I really want to lean into Jesus and follow him with everything I got. Lord, would you come into my life and would you save me tonight? I want you more than I want anything else. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.